This episode of the Ageless and Awesome podcast is sponsored by the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. As a woman in the modern world, our hormones are taking a battering. They're impacted by the food we eat, the toxins we're exposed to, such as when we eat out of plastic takeaway containers, or even worse, reheat food in them. Please don't do this. If you're handling FPOS receipts, filling the car with fuel, eating non-organic produce that hasn't been washed effectively, plus so much more things add to our toxic load every day. Even though our bodies are designed to effectively manage toxins, they haven't evolved as quickly as our toxic world has, unfortunately. So our body does need support. Symptoms such as stubborn weight gain, fatigue, disrupted periods, irritability, and gut health issues can be a sign that you'd benefit from a gentle detox. And that's why I developed the Radiant Reset Hormone Detox Guide for Perimenopausal Women. This free guide has an abundance of information to get you started on your very own DIY detox. And if you'd like to upgrade to VIP, it's only $47 for a limited time. I used to sell this program for $247. The upgrade gives you the recipes, including plenty of uh, plant-based options, the meal planner, the shopping list template, the video workshop, and so much more. Click the link in the show notes to learn more now. Take care of your hormones. They are a critical part of your health as a woman. Hi, I'm Susie Garden, naturopath and nutritionist, yoga and meditation instructor. Welcome to the Wellness Glow podcast for women who want inspiring and practical solutions to feel abundant energy and vitality on the inside and look radiantly healthy on the outside. Each week, I talk all things gut health and mind-body connection. If you want to find out more about me, check me out at susiegarden.com. Welcome to the show. This week, it's Ask the Naturopath. And the first question I've had is through Instagram. And feel free to send me questions through Instagram, either just on my posts or direct message me. This one was actually on a post that I had on some gorgeous blackberries. And I was talking a lot about the antioxidants in blackberries in the text. And at Cloflower said to me, would you say the benefits of non-organic berries still outweigh the negatives of the high pesticides? And I think that is an awesome question because I get this quite frequently in the um, clients that I see is about eating food and eating organic food versus non-organic food. And this is actually quite a complex question because the issue of pesticides, I guess, is pretty um, uh, complex and a little bit controversial. We know with organic food, there is, uh, a, in Australia, there is certified organic food, and then you just see pesticide-free, and you see organic food, and it's all very, very confusing. And the only way you can really know you're getting organic food is if it's Australian certified organic now, that doesn't mean you can buy organic food and it's not organic. It's just that that's how you know absolutely for sure. But the thing is with the pesticides, we know that there are some pesticides which are really not good for us to be consuming on a regular basis. And it's probably quite obvious. And yet a lot of our food is covered in these things. So we do need to be really aware of it. 
Now, how you can get around the issue of pesticides in foods, there's a few different ways. Firstly, just washing your produce really, really thoroughly. And I mean really giving it a good scrub, making sure there's no residue of pesticides. I recently bought some uh, oranges, I think it was, and you could see this white residue on the actual skin of the fruit. Now, luckily you don't actually eat the skin of the orange, well, I don't. But um, yeah, it's, it was really obviously on there and I've seen that on other fruits as well. So you really wanna wash that super thoroughly, get that off. And also um, the other thing is the Environmental Working Group publishes every year uh, two lists of foods. One is what they call the Dirty Dozen and the other is the Clean 15. And from that, the Dirty Dozen is essentially the top 12 foods that have the, the most pesticide content on them. And the Clean 15 has the least. So the idea is that obviously we know organic food is quite expensive. It's usually pretty good quality, but it is really expensive for most of us to be eating on a regular basis. It can be quite um, difficult. So if you follow the Dirty Dozen, it is from North America, but it's likely to be fairly similar here in Australia. And it's pretty much the only guide that we've got. So I tend to use that. And the Dirty Dozen is other foods that you would really try to buy organically. And the Clean 15 would be the foods that you could get away with buying conventional produce. And again, just wash them really, really well. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to publish under the post on my website. So if you go to um, www.susiegarden.com and go to my podcast page, you'll see underneath the podcast, I'll put copies of the current Dirty Dozen and Clean 15 because I've only recently been published for this year. And that way you can grab a copy of those and have them handy when you go shopping. And that hopefully will help you to make some good food decisions. Now, getting back to the question, uh, would I say the benefits of non-organic berries still outweigh the negatives of the high pesticides? So the pesticides don't seem to influence so much the nutrient content of the foods. And there's been a number of studies done. Some of the information has been conflicting, unfortunately. The first sort of lot of um, studies that were done kind of showed that there wasn't a real difference, was not a real difference in the uh, nutrient value of the food. But then I have seen some more recent studies that have shown that there is. And I don't know if you've tried both types of foods, but I know from my, just my own taste, that if you have an organic orange or an organic tomato, the taste of those are off the chart compared to most conventional tomatoes and oranges. And there's a whole bunch of other foods that I could name as well. You just really can taste the difference. And to my mind, I'm pretty sure if they, you can taste the difference, there probably is a nutrient um, difference there as well. So, Again, getting back to that question, and uh, I've probably got off on a couple of little tangents here, but the benefits of non-organic berries, I still absolutely think are there. You still are going to get that high antioxidant content. Uh, you still have the, the deep colors, which tell us, that's nature's way of telling us they're highly nutritious foods. And those benefits of eating those berries are going to be far outweighing uh, the negatives of not eating them. And because often that's the choice is do I buy these, particularly because we use a lot of um, frozen berries in Australia. Uh, you know, if I'm eating these frozen berries, am I going to get a good nutrient hit? Absolutely. Of course you are. 
So keep eating them. And if it's possible for you to afford getting the organic berries, then that's great too. But have a look at those lists. Have a look at the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 and take your guidance from there as to making choices for organic produce versus non-organic produce. But absolutely, you will always be better off in including high antioxidant value and high nutrition value foods in your diet than not. That just goes without saying. So I hope that makes it clear. It is really difficult. It's not really a yes or no answer. It is quite complicated, but hopefully that has given you some um, direction on that. And please feel free to email me, message me through um, Instagram or through uh, Facebook to ask me further questions about this. I'd love to hear from you. The second question that I'm going to address today is from Danny, who asked about heartburn in pregnancy and believe it or not heartburn in pregnancy pretty much the treatment is the same as for any sort of heartburn so even if heartburn in pregnancy isn't an issue for you maybe some of the tips I'm about to give might be helpful if heartburn is something that you or a member of your family has experienced because it's really quite nasty and it's extremely common in fact gastroesophageal reflux disease or GORD which is the full name for it It's experienced by about 45 to 80% of women during pregnancy. And in fact, it is a very um, high incidence in the general population as well. I don't have the exact percentage to hand at the moment, but um, certainly drugs that are used to treat this are some of the highest selling drugs in Australia. And reflux occurs when you've got the contents of the stomach coming back up into the esophagus where they're not supposed to be. It's a very acidic environment in the stomach and it's not acidic in the esophagus. So when those contents come back up into the esophagus, they can uh, cause a burning sensation. We actually have nerve endings in our esophagus. If you have a warm drink, you'll feel that warm drink go down in from your mouth down your esophagus into the stomach. But once it hits the stomach, you don't tend to feel it. The stomach has stretch receptors rather than um, pain receptors or um, nerve receptors. So we feel and, and that heat of the drink or the cool of the drink go down into the esophagus. And in the same way, if some of that contents of the stomach comes back up, we can feel that acidic um, sensation and it can be extremely painful actually. And more than that is it actually can cause damage and irritation to the um, lining, what we call the mucosa of the esophagus if that's happening frequently, which it does tend to happen in pregnancy because of the fact that you've got the um, baby pressing in, increasing the pressure in the abdominal area. So um, that also you get because of that baby being there, you get uh, what we call decreased motility. So the contents of the stomach, when they go through into the intestines, all of that slows right down just because of the physical presence of the baby or fetus in there. So that contributes to this um, reflux disease um, or reflux coming on during pregnancy. So Really, the focus is on symptom relief and protecting that mucosa of the esophagus. It's a really quite a delicate tissue. So we want to promote repair of that tissue as well. So really, it's all about diet and lifestyle when treating reflux, whether it's in pregnancy or whether it's just for anybody that has it. And the number one is to avoid eating large meals. 
Um, if you can reduce the, the actual contents of the stomach by having smaller meals, then it's less likely to reflux, reflux back up into the esophagus. And also avoid drinking large amounts of fluid with meals so that you're, um, again, going to be less likely to have those fluids coming up. They obviously come up much more easily into the esophagus just because they're thinner. Um, Making sure that you're sitting up properly when you're eating and also not lying down shortly after eating. In fact, the recommendation is even just a few out, two or three hours Uh, after eating to stay relatively upright so that you're allowing time for those food contents to go through the stomach and down into um, the intestine so then less likely to come back up into your esophagus. Also avoid high fat meals because they just delay the emptying of the stomach and there are certain foods which can really trigger uh, reflux such as chocolate, uh, citrus juices, they're quite acidic. Tomatoes, quite acidic. Um, coffee, soft drinks, um, they can actually uh, be uh, triggers for esophageal reflux. If it's really bad, you can do things like raising the head of the bed, which might seem a little bit extreme, but it actually as you can just imagine, it's just gravity. It just, if you, if your head and your chest are above the stomach, it means that it's going to be less likely you're going to get that refluxing back up. Lying on the left side, the way the stomach is positioned in the body, if you've ever seen a picture of it, is that the stomach kind of sits a little bit over to the left. So if you lie on your left side, you'll actually help the content stay into the stomach and not come back up. Um, in terms of some natural products that we use to treat um, esophageal reflux, Slippery Elm is probably the most common natural product that we use, and that's to prevent symptoms of reflux. It also um, it's just beautifully um, protective and soothing of the esophagus. And the great news is there's actually quite a bit of research data in pregnancy with Slippery Elm, so you know that it's really, really safe. And of course, if you're not pregnant, you can use it as well. And it works. Um, There's also other things we can use in natural health, but I am going to focus on pregnancy today with this particular question so that there's no confusion. Dosage-wise, you're looking at around a half to one teaspoon of Slippery Elm Bark powder. It just looks like a grey powder and you mix it with a bit of water or food, make a paste and you um, swallow it. So you might want to make it a relatively uh, smooth, almost liquidy type um, concoction. Maybe mix it up in a little bit of yogurt or something that's going to make it a little bit easier to take and it will uh, coat the um, not only the esophagus but other parts of the intestinal lining. So it's really important if you are on any medications that you don't take the medications at the same time. You leave about a two to three hour window so that you don't interfere with the medications that you're taking. So I hope Danny that's been helpful for you to get that information about heartburn and pregnancy and if you've got any further questions please just drop me an email or message me through Uh, Facebook or Instagram. Next week, I'm going to talk about stress and gut health. So I hope you'll join me then. 
And if you're enjoying this content, then feel free to subscribe to this podcast so that you know exactly when I release new content and feel free to leave me a five-star review. I would love that. And I would love also to hear from you, Susie, S-U-S-I-E, at susiegarden.com with any feedback or ideas for future episodes. I'd love to hear from you. Thanks so much for joining me on The Wellness Glow. I loved having you here. See you again next week. Until then, take care and be well.